0: Well, it's a command of our Lord, but it's, it's the wisdom of God to have a picture with water and so to signify the start of a new life in Christ and so much rich significance. But I want to focus tonight in particular on uh, one, one of the many truths presented in Romans 6. Uh, Rebecca already referenced Romans 6 in her testimony. I want to read tonight, verses 3 through 13. The Apostle Paul wrote, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Amen. Of course, in the letter to the Romans, Paul unfolds perhaps the most glorious and straightforward and magnificent presentation of the gospel in all of the New Testament. Uh, the opening chapters, of course, present that God is, in fact, his wrath is upon all men and women who are in obedience and disobedience, rather, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin is serious, and, and all have sinned, and there is none who do good, no, not one. But in view of that reality that all are sinners, God has made a wonderful way for sinners to be saved. And it is not by asking them to do something for themselves, to live a better life, to get their act together. Although certainly repentance is called for, but it is not by repentance that we are saved. It is not by our own works, but by the work of another, namely Jesus Christ. And so this gospel is so wonderful. It is so much a gospel of grace. It is so clear in the opening chapters of Romans that no one is saved by their own efforts. You don't work this out by yourself. You don't wait till you're good enough to present yourself to God. You will never be good enough. There is nothing you can do to ever save yourself. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And that gospel is so free. It is such a gift of God. It is, it is so lavish. It is so extraordinary. It is offered so broadly, so freely, so genuinely to dead, lost, wretched sinners like you and like me that there are even some who would take that message, that gospel of grace, and turn it into a form of licentiousness that is thinking well if it's that free if it's that gracious then I can sin and Paul's asking in the beginning of chapter 6 verse 1 what shall we say then are we to are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound may it never be but I want you to note before we go any further that the the gospel the saving gospel is that gracious it is that free And we need to be careful to guard that. There is never a time, again, when any man or woman will ever work their way back to God. There is never a time or a place where a man or woman will get themselves ready to be made right with God. It is always by grace, which humbles us, humbles the sinner. I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. There's nothing I can do. It humbles the sinner and it exalts the God who saves freely by his choice and by his grace so having been saved by grace through faith as rebecca has testified tonight and as we are baptized and we step out in obedience to christ how is it that we live the christian life what is what is our understanding of the christian life and paul here in romans 6 in the verses i've read tonight lays out to us the theology or the reasoning of how a Christian is to think about our life. Now that we have trusted in Christ, now that we have been baptized, how are we to live? And the answer is, we live like Christ. Now, on the face of it, that may sound discouraging. I mean, that, that sounds, uh, yeah, Jesus is perfect. I'm not perfect yet. I still sin. Yeah, well, hold on. Wait. Broadly, though, speaking... If, if you are placing your faith in Jesus Christ, the way that God saves you is by grace through faith, uniting you with the person and the work of his son so that you are brought along with Christ. So that as Christ suffers and dies on the cross, God reckons your sins as being accounted in Christ in his work on the cross. When Christ dies and is buried, as you are united with him in the sight of God, God reckons and counts you as being buried and having paid the penalty of sin, which is death. The wages of sin is death, Paul says. And as Christ rises from the dead, God counts you as being raised with Christ. And as Paul says in Ephesians 2, seated in the heavenly places with Christ. This is your union with Christ. There is a distinction, obviously, between the believer and between Jesus. But by faith, we are united with Christ if we are to be saved or we are not saved at all. And I want you to notice the life of Christ now. I don't know if we think about this. What does Jesus do now? Ever thought about that? I mean, he lived hard life. We're in the Gospel of Matthew. He had a a difficult week full of sorrow before he was crucified. Then he suffered, terrible. He poured himself out in prayer the night before he was um, crucified. He worked in that way. He rose from the dead, and then he taught his disciples, and that's not easy, that's a work, we get that. Well, he's risen now and ascended, what's he doing? You ever thought about it? Well, Paul tells us. The life he lives, Paul says, In verse 10, he lives to God. Jesus is not done living to please his Father in heaven. Think about that. He's alive, he's a resurrected, glorified man, and all that he is doing now in the presence of the Father, of course we know from Romans 8, interceding for us, But as he is interceding for us, he does what he does to please his father. The beautiful phrase, the life that he lives, he lives to God. That speaks of purpose, that speaks of intent, that speaks of direction, of bent, of inclination. Jesus still lives to please his father. And he will live eternally to please his father. That is the purpose of the son. That is his intent it was his intent from eternity past. It was his intent in his incarnation. And now as the risen glorified Christ, it is his purpose to live to please his father. In a sense, he's not done. He's done with his sin bearing, sin atoning work. Oh, yes. And he cried on the cross. It is accomplished. But he's not done. He lives to God. The life that he lives He lives now. He'll live tomorrow. He'll live next year. He'll live on into eternity future. Christ will always live for the honor and glory and the pleasing of his father. And what Paul is teaching here is that we who trust in Christ when we are baptized and the assumption in Romans 6 is that if you're a believer you're baptized. So much so that Paul can speak of our baptism as the means by which we're united with Christ. Now, he's not teaching here salvation by baptism. All right, He hasn't just taught about you know, salvation is by grace, only now to say, well, baptism saves you. Baptism doesn't save you. But Jesus commanded, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit the idea in the new testament era of somebody professing faith in christ and as an adult not being baptized was unthinkable if you just wouldn't be a christian to be a christian was to first be a person who believed the gospel but then who was baptized to be a christian in other words is to be a baptized person and so paul is Baptism is such so basic and rudimentary to discipleship that Paul here assumes that that our baptism is is closely linked with our faith. It is, in a sense, the first expression of our faith. Rebecca trusted in Christ at one point for salvation. Tonight was the the first major step of her public obedience of living for Christ. And so the life that Christ lives, he lives to God. And now that we are, uh, when we become baptized, that's our purpose, is to be like Christ. We're united with him by faith. Now that we are baptized, we are simply to be united him with purpose. That's the purpose of his life. That's the purpose of our life. The life that he lives, he lives to God, to please God with an intention, what is pleasing to my Father? The life that we live now Since we are united with Christ, if he lives to God, that's what we do. We live to God. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. We live to God. And this ought to encourage us, far from discouraging us. The scriptures are very clear that even once we are Christians, once we are baptized, we still struggle with sin. In that way, we're not like the Lord Jesus. He he never has sinned. He doesn't sin. He doesn't struggle with sin. We do. But it ought to give us encouragement as baptized people that we are united with one who lives to please God and we can never be separated from him. And so what God is doing and will do in Rebecca's life and all those who, who immerse themselves, as it were, in the word of God is he will make us more and more like his son, And there's hope. Because Jesus lives to God, I also can and I also will. But it does take determination. Note this. Paul is calling and he's commanding baptized Christians, and that's the only kind he knows of, to live in obedience to God and to live for God. We die to sin when Christ died for our sins. Our sins were Born away, they were atoned for. We are no longer to have a casual view towards sin, but we are to be like Christ in increasing measure, and we live to God. And this is, again, great encouragement. I don't live to God as I ought to now, but because by God's grace I'm united to Christ, I will. But it's a process, it's why sanctification is a process. It's not going to happen instantaneously. In a moment, it's going to be a process. So, tonight, Rebecca has, in a sense, just started in her following Christ in obedience. It's a reminder for those of us tonight who were baptized a long time ago. We started. Where are we tonight? Where are we tonight? What's our intent? Do we intend to live to God? If we are united with Christ, we must. We must. For He lives to God. The life that He lives. He lives to God, and we have been united with him so that we will no longer be slaves to sin, but that verse 8, we shall also live with him, live with him and live as he lives, live to God. So tonight we want to pray for each one here, but especially for Rebecca, as as she continues the process now of becoming more like Christ. But this is a challenge from Romans 6, but it's also, I hope, a great encouragement. If, if, if God did the work in saving us by grace, and then from baptism onward say said to us essentially, now you take it from here, <laughs> uh, I'd be done. I'd be greatly discouraged. But if truly you're a believer and through baptism and through your faith, you've been united with Christ. Take heart. He lives to God. You will, too. And you can start now. In fact, you must. We must because we're united with Christ. We must live to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful gospel of grace. And we thank you for the wonderful encouragement, the truth of the, our union with Christ is. We are so grateful that we do not work out our salvation on our own. We do work it out with fear and trembling, but we take heart that it is you who works in us. And that by your grace, through faith, we are united spiritually to your son and can never be separated from him so that as he is, we are and will be in full measure one day. Be with Rebecca as she steps out in obedience, as she as she continues to trust in Christ and she struggles with sin. We pray that you'll protect her from the evil one who will seek to cast her down. We pray that you will be her constant companion. We know you will be. I suppose we pray more, that she will be constantly aware of that, aware that you, Holy Spirit, are her comforter, her companion, that you, Lord Jesus, and you, Father, will never leave her nor forsake her, that if you are for her, that there is no one that can be against her. We pray that you would grant to her a humble and contrite spirit, that she would love you all the days of her life, that you would strengthen her greatly in her walk we pray that for each believer here tonight as we've witnessed this baptism may our mind go back to the day that we made a public commitment to you may we lord renew tonight our determination to live to please you to hear from you well done thou good and faithful servant and strengthen us we pray in this great work which we cannot possibly do, apart from your own spirit. So we pray for Rebecca, we pray for all of us, Father, that we will live to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.